Good morning, Northridge. How's everybody doing today? That's good. You guys are here. You made it. I know you all were celebrating all night, celebrating the Bills win. <laughs> uh, my name is Melvin Cross, and I am the long-lost cousin that everybody loves. Um, and I'm just glad to be here at Northridge today. I love your pastor. I love this. I love the community, the heart of this community. I love this church. I often say if I was not a senior pastor, I would be a member here at Northridge. You guys are amazing. Um, just a few things you need to know about me. The most important things is I love Jesus and my wife. Her name is Ashley Cross, and she rocks. And I am a girl dad. I love my family. Um, I have three daughters. I have Jordan. I have Harper. Harper is, she runs the show. And we have Madison. That's my family. And I'm just so thankful to God that he's entrusted them to me. And my wife is here. God bless you, baby. I'm going to preach better because she's sitting right over there. <laughs> so I was watching uh, Pastor Drew last week in this, in this series, Silver Linings, What 2020 Has Taught Us. And he started his message off with a cool meme. And I was like, I need to find a dope meme to start this message off with today. And so I was scrolling, and this meme stood out to me. And I, I saw it, I, and, and I literally laughed out loud. And it's this woman, she's looking at one girl, and then, you know, it says 2020. And then she looks at the other one, and like, oh my gosh, they look exactly the same. <laughs> Doesn't that feel like how 2021 is? I know it's a new year, but it still feels like we're in the same year. They feel eerily exactly the same. And so if you're like me, you took a sigh of relief when 2020 came to an end. Like just a deep breath is like, we made it through that. And if you can make it through 2020, you can make it through anything. But 2020 gave us the painful privilege to identify some areas in our hearts that need to be dealt with. And unity is on the top of that list. We saw some crazy things that happened right here in our own nation last year. There's a stark divide in our nation, and we saw when George Floyd was killed wrongfully. And when I saw that, literally, it took my breath away. I felt the pain. I was like, is this really happening? And you try, you're trying to figure out how do I respond and how do I process and all of these feelings that are going forward. And, and we always talk about unity because unity is a nice buzzword. When we say unity, you're like, that's right, we need to be unified. But the reality is unity is hard work. Yes, I know we all want to sing kumbaya, we want to hold hands, and we want to sway side to side and just wave our hands, and we want to sing about unity, but that's not going to get the job done unless we are willing to, to put the hard work in. The hard work is learning to prefer your brothers and sisters over yourselves. Isn't that what he said? He says, if you, can, if you can prefer your brothers and sisters over yourself, that is the hard work of unity, putting your needs aside, your, your, your perspective aside, and learning to prefer your brother over yourself. I have a question for you. We are the church, right? We are the church of the living God. We are the very entity that Jesus himself established in the earth. And my question is, if the world is looking to us, the church for direction. Will they get lost or will they find their way? If they're looking to us, 
Would they find their way? Did they, would they get the point where they get to their destination or would they get lost? So today, we want to tweak our compass just a little bit and point it in the direction of unity. Can I get somebody to say that word with me? Everybody say unity. unity. The title of today's message is, You Make Me Better. You make me better. Not only do you make me better, but guess what? I make you better as well. Let's go to the book of Revelations, the seventh chapter and the ninth verse. Now, don't worry. I know I said Revelations. I'm not preaching doom and gloom. I know it would feel like that because it still feels like we're in 2020. But Revelation gives us a glimpse into what we're going to experience when we get to heaven. Let's read. It says, after this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and people and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. This scripture gives us a depiction of what eternity will look like. All nations, tribes, races, languages, standing next to one another, worshiping together. And if the church is supposed to be an earthly representation of heaven, how much more should we exemplify the beauty of unity, diversity, differences? How do you make me better? You make me better because you are different than me. Our differences, our diversity should not be a point of contention, but it should be the place where we come together. Let the church say amen. Our differences is what makes us better. The world would be boring if we all looked the same. It would be a pretty bland church if everybody sounded alike. It would be a pretty dull world if there was no diversity. And so this scripture, it lets us know that unity is on the heart of God. And I want to say this, unity is not conformity. Unity is not conformity. It does not mean that we have to come together in sacrificing our differences, but we can come together and celebrate our differences. When unity cannot mean uniformity, it does mean this, though. It means that we have love and respect for one another, and that should be found solely in the household of faith. Once again, somebody say unity. So this is something that we need to understand. Diversity is a God idea. Diversity is a God idea. It's not a human construct. It's not something that we came up with. This is actually on the heart of God. In the beginning, in the book of Genesis, God created everything, and he would step back and say, it is good. There's diversity in the fish. There's diversity in the birds, diversity with the insects, diversity with the trees, diversity with, you all get the point. There was diversity at everything. God enjoys variety and diversity. But the powerful thing about everything that I just named is that it all works together in an ecosystem. 
And this ecosystem is balanced because of the healthy diversity that, that is exemplified in the ecosystem. And so it is even with us as the body of Christ. The church of the living God is a place where we can be distinctly different, but still very much the same. This place is a place that we can come together regardless of backgrounds, lived experiences, perspectives, and all of these things, and we can still come together. I have a secret to tell you all. Can y'all keep a secret? No? Uh, Thank you for being honest. (laughs) But the secret is, I'm black. You're like, that wasn't too much of a secret. My eyes work and I do see. I am a black man who has a different lived experience, different backgrounds, different approaches to whatever happens. My lived experience gives me a lens through which I see the world. And so it is with you. Your lived experiences, whether you're black, white, Latina, Latinx, or Asian, whoever you are, however you are, your perspective is built, it is developed, by that background, and it also affects and contributes to how we relate with God. And I said all of that to say that God does see color. I know we've said it. I know we've said it with a very pure intent is that God doesn't see color, but I would beg to differ. God is not colorblind. When he made us, he made us on all various spectrums of of the color spectrum. And he says, guess what? All of it, it is good. However you are, your background, your race, your age, we were all made in the image and likeness of God. That's why I know I look good. (laughs) And you should have that same confidence because when you look in the mirror, you are really looking at the image of God. And if we are all made in the image of God, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, you have hate in your heart towards God. God sees color. He is not colorblind. And one of the identifiers of unity is that differences are noted and they are celebrated. That's a note taker right there. Differences are noted and they are celebrated. We don't have to sacrifice our diversity for the sake of unity, but what unity does and what unity is, is we, exi- we notice our diversity, we celebrate it, and we realize that we are better together. The reason why we are better together is because there are certain things that I don't know that you do. And one thing that 2020 taught me is that I did not know as much as I thought I knew. And oftentimes, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know it. (laughs) And when I realized that I did not have all of the answers, when I realized I did not always know how to respond, guess what? I knew that I had a brother or a sister that I can talk to. This is how we make each other better. It's because even though I might be in my feelings, I might be in my pain, I have a brother whose name is Drew, and we can get on the phone, and we can have these hard conversations. And guess what? Most of 2020 was very uncomfortable, and our conversations were not nice. They weren't always pretty. They were uncomfortable. But guess what? Just because the conversation is uncomfortable does not mean it's not necessary. Do not rob yourself of understanding because of the lack of comfort. 
Oftentimes in those difficult conversations, you'll get those aha moments when you realize like, wait a minute, I understand their perspective. And this was the thing, we weren't talking to defend our point. We were talking with each other for the sake of understanding. What does the scripture say? In all of your getting, get a what? Understanding. And so in those conversations, we learn to understand one another. We learn to have those hard conversations. His lived experience gave me some insight. My lived experience gave him some insight. And guess what? We did not always agree. Disagreement does not mean disengagement. Amen. In our disagreement, we learned to find a middle ground, and we met there, and we brought that place of understanding. We are the standard for unity. We are the standard for unity. Romans, the 12th chapter, and the ninth verse, it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I love this. This is the hard work of unity. The 10th verse says, outdo one another in showing honor. It's almost like a competition. Listen, you are not going to beat me out honoring you. I'm going to find a way to tell you how amazing you are. I'm going to find a way to serve you. I'm going to find a way to honor the image of God that is set before me, which is you. If we would learn to, out, if we would learn to outdo one another in honor, this would be an amazing place. Let me say this. If we would learn to be more Christ-centered, we would be less self-centered. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. That's a good amen point right there. <laughs> when we become more Christ-centered, it would, it would be less about my feelings, my desires, my preferences, my feelings. Well, this is how I always did it. Well, this is how I was brought up. When we would learn to prefer Christ's idea, when we would see his perspective and we would make that our own, we would be less self-centered. Understanding the family of God is yet another weapon against racial intolerance in the church and beyond. Only in the family of God can people be so distinctly different and be the same all at the same time. We are equal in creation and equal in redemption. And we are still counted as brothers and sisters. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus doesn't discriminate? Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus didn't say, oh, you're black or you're white, I can't be shed for you today? He says, regardless of who you are, it really doesn't matter who you are, but it really doesn't matter who you belong to. Is anybody glad to belong to the King of Kings today? That's a moment. Come on and clap your hands for that. You know, God exemplified his family in a very beautiful way in the Old Testament. There was one nation, but there was 12 tribes. 12 tribes, different expressions, different giftings, different purposes, but they were all a part of the nation. Once I brought these skittles out, some of your mouths just began to salivate, right? And I believe that these skittles, they exemplified the beauty of diversity. I was going to entitle this message, Taste the Rainbow, but I was like, this is my first time here. I can't do that. <laughs> Maybe next time. But these Skittles, I mean, we have yellow Skittles. I'm not too keen on lemon-flavored candy. We have the green Skittle, amen, orange Skittles. We have the red Skittle. The red seems to be everybody's favorite, right? 
And then we have the purple Skittle. They each have a distinct taste, and they taste really good by themselves. But you know how to really eat some Skittles? You just got to take a handful of them and throw them back. And the, the, the flavor, the taste, they all work so well together. It's not like the green outweighs the purple or the red outweighs the yellow. They all work together for a beautiful party in your mouth full of Skittles. Such it is with diversity and how God feels about us. We taste good to God. I know that's a weird concept, <laughs> but it's true. He made us in all different varieties and different flavors, different colors, and he did it. And he said, it is good. When we come together, we all bring something to the table. Your flavor, your perspective, your lived experience, your pain, your victories. And we bring it together to make a beautiful body of Christ called the church. Taste the rainbow. I know some of y'all might want some Skittles, so I'm not going to put those back in there. I might share some with you after church. But this is what's necessary. The distinctions, the differences, all of these things are important, but love goes beyond understanding. It's sacrificial. God sees our differences, yet he sent Jesus to die just the same for us all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our differences didn't deny us salvation. Just because you're different, Jesus says this. Jesus didn't say, I'm not going to die for you because they're different. His love goes beyond our rationale. Oftentimes, I'm still trying to really comprehend the love of God. Oh, the overwhelming, reckless love of God. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it, yet he still gave it to us. We're still trying to comprehend his love. Do not love to the extent of your understanding. Your love is going to require a level of sacrifice. Let the church say amen. Your love is going to require a level of sacrifice that's going to require you or cause you to go a little bit out of your comfort zone. And so love goes beyond our level of understanding. There's people I don't understand, but guess what? I still love them. You know, marriage is one way that teaches us to celebrate diversity. Let all the husbands say amen. <laughs> you know what the scripture talks about? And the two shall become one. Usually, that becoming one is my spouse becoming more like me, because my way is right. I mean, who doesn't use Tide? Who doesn't use Crest toothpaste? And who doesn't put the, the, to, the top back on the toothpaste? I mean, who doesn't do that? But the reality is not actually becoming more like me. It's like both of us trying to find that middle ground of becoming more like one another. And this is how love and beauty, it comes together where we learn to appreciate our differences and meet in the middle ground. Now, this is something that diversity does. Diversity and unity, it undercuts pride. It kills pride. It undercuts it. By focusing on all the people groups of the world, God undercuts ethnocentric pride and throws all people back upon his free grace rather than any distinction of their own. The thing that makes us the same is we are all recipients of God's grace and mercy. How many people are thankful for his grace and his mercy? 
That, is the, that evens and levels the playing field. Just like you need his grace, I need his grace. Just like you need his mercy, I need his mercy. But guess what? We can't be solely, we solely just can't be recipients of grace. The same grace that he gives us, we have to give others. This is what Paul emphasizes in Acts, the 17th chapter and the 26th verse. He says, when he says to the proud citizens of Athens, he says this, God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. F.F. Bruce points this out when he says this. He says, the Athenians prided themselves on being sprung from the soil of their native Attica. They were the only Greeks on the European mainland who had no tradition of their ancestors coming into Greece. They belonged to the earliest wave of Greek immigration. So they were proud of their origin. I'm Greek. I was not transplanted here. I was born here. I am from the soil. And what Paul did was he rebutted that that. That, that proclamation of pride. He says, you, you and the barbarians and the Jews and the Romans all came from the same origin. And you came by God's will, not by your own. And the time and place of your existence is in God's hands. So every time God expresses his missionary focus for all nations, he cuts at the nerve of ethnocentric pride. So he says, regardless of your background, though it's appreciated, though it's celebrated, you all, we all need to understand that we all come from the same place. My conclusion in this is that we are the compass that helps to direct culture. Culture doesn't define us. But we as the church, we help define it. I believe it is the responsibility of the church to provide the world with clarity, direction, leadership. It is our responsibility to provide the the world with moral leadership. We are to be that gauge that the world takes its cues from. So my question, I want to ask the question again. If the church, if the world were looking to the church for direction, Would they find their way or would they get lost? Has the compass gone a little back towards unity? Is it pointing that way? I hope so. This is the reality. We have a lot of hard work to do because prejudice and racism, it's not going anywhere. But we have to learn to stand in the midst of it all. I didn't share the story, just a little bit about my background as I close this out. I grew up in a big family. My parents fostered 26 boys out of New York City, and all of my foster brothers weren't black. I, I have a white brother they actually adopted. His name is Thomas. Now, you can't tell Thomas he's white. He really is white. <laughs> he's my brother. We have slept in the same bed. He stole my clothes, and, and he, 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 we, we've learned to relate on a deeper level other than what's at the surface. We have went beyond surface level relation and we've decided that our relationship has a deeper, a more, a more of a depth to it than what we can see. When we learn to go beyond the surface, you realize that there are treasures hidden in individuals who do not look like you. 
And my brother Thomas, though we don't come from the same womb, we are brothers nonetheless. So it is with us as the body of Christ. Our connecting point is the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. And as we stand in the midst of a world that is divided, whether you're black, white, Republican, Democrat, whatever you may be, however you may be, whether you protest in the streets, whether you sit at home, whether you understand it or you don't understand it, let's do the hard work of unity, preferring our brothers over ourselves. Galatians, the third chapter, the 28th and 29th verse, I want to read it in the message version. And it reads like this. It says, in Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are all equal. Somebody say, you are all equal. That is, we are all in common. We are in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's family You're part of his famous descendants, heirs according to the covenant promise. I love the fact that we get the opportunity to be an answer to Jesus' prayer. Jesus' prayer to prayer in John 17, he looked up to heaven. He says, Father, I pray that they would be one as I and the Father are one. This is our chance to be an answer to his prayer. Let's bow our heads in a moment of prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you full of gratitude and appreciation for giving us this opportunity to celebrate unity in diversity. You've never meant for us all to look the same, sound the same, be the same, but you said, let me make this world in my image. The fullness, the diversity, the variety, the awe and wonder that is embodied in us as human beings. We appreciate you. Now give us an opportunity to love our brothers as ourselves. Give us an opportunity to outdo one another in honoring each other. God, we praise you and we appreciate you that we would be the compass that points back to unity. God, let us demonstrate what love like Jesus is. God, we give your name honor, glory, and praise, and we appreciate you for these things. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. God bless.